one that is seated here is doing well. I guess that's why you're giving access to the building anyway. So <laughs> you have to be healthy before you come to this place. And uh, as many that are passing through difficulties and challenges in life, my prayer for them this morning is that the Lord God Almighty, the one who created the heavens and the earth and all that is within, he is a faithful God. I pray that he would minister to them in your area of challenges, in your area of difficulty, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I consider this a rare privilege and an honor to be here this morning and to stand and be used as an instrument to proclaim God's word to his own people. My desire this morning is to encourage your hearts in a time like this. And not only to encourage your, your heart, but to also remind you that as a Christian, God is looking to you to be a light in a world that is covered with darkness. This is something that each and every one of us can have the feeling of it. Now, I've had a lot of people say, the world is crazy. Now, how many, how many of you have had that? <laughs> the world is crazy because of all that is going on uh, in it. But even in the midst of the craziness of the world, God is still in there. And I hope you are going to be encouraged this morning. I want to take this time to publicly say thank you to Pastor Nate for entrusting me with uh, this uh, responsibility uh, of proclaiming God's word to you. And uh, thank you so much, Alex, for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate you. You've been a dear friend, a brother. And I also want to appreciate two of my brothers that just came in, one from Indonesia. He's uh, a fellow student at the Southern Baptist Seminary and Adamutu from Nigeria. We got to know ourselves here. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Now, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I, I urge you to rise to your feet as we uh, pray together, uh, if you can, and then read God's word. Father, in your name, the name of Jesus, that name that is above every other name, it is in that name, O oh Lord, that we have come to this place. That even in times like this, when the world is experiencing uncertainties, in times of challenges, that we can come out together, Lord, because of the name of Jesus, and be gathered that we, would, we may worship you corporately. It is because of that that we are gathered this morning, Lord Jesus, I call upon your spirit to fill us this morning. Fill us, O oh God, and help us with the clarity of your word. As I stand to proclaim your word, my God and my Father, I pray that you would use me to bring forth that word that has the power to break chains, that have the power to transform lives. And I pray, O oh God in heaven, that as many that are discouraged in our midst this morning will find courage and encouragement. And I pray that as many that are 
at the verge of despair. That Lord, they will find hope even as your word will spring forth. There are many that are struggling with one challenge or the other in terms of their health. Oh, mighty Redeemer, the great physician, I beseech you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ that you minister healing to them. And I pray, oh God, that you honor yourself this morning. Be thou glorified in our midst. Be thou magnified. Be thou exalted. It is in the name of Jesus that I have prayed. Amen. Amen. All right, let's read from Isaiah this morning. I'm going to read from Isaiah just three verses from the book of Isaiah chapter 1. I mean chapter 60 verses 1 to 3. And it reads Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness will cover the earth and total darkness the peoples. But the Lord will shine over you. Now I was expecting someone to say amen for that. The Lord will shine over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. May the Lord bless his words to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Let's take our seats, please, and as we open our ears and our hearts to receive from God this morning. I know that we live in a world that is a kind of a world that calls evil good and calls good evil. A world that is anti-God. We live in a world that tolerates sin, a world that celebrates even wickedness. We live in a world that prefers darkness to light, a world of oppression and corruption. That's the kind of world that we live in. In case you have forgotten, I'm here to remind you that that is the kind of world that we live. We live in a world that is similar to the kind of world that Isaiah and God's people lived in. That's the type of world that we live in. And so it's not wrong when you hear someone saying, the world is crazy. It is true. Jesus told us that I have saved you. You are going to be in the world. I'm not taking you out of the world. A world that is ruled by the prince of the air. That's the kind of world that we live. Similar to the wall of Isaiah. Isaiah made this prophecy to the nation that was chosen by God. Yahweh himself was the one that chose the children of Israel. But they turned their back to him. And instead of serving God, instead of worshiping God, at the time, they forsake him. They were worshipping other gods. Israelites. God saved them that they might be a light to other nations. That they might extend grace to their neighbors. But they have failed in doing that. And so Isaiah is proclaiming a judgment here to Israel. The one that was loved by God. 
and that God had made a covenant even with the patriarchs, but have decided at a point to forsake God, Isaiah is making a proclamation of judgment that was given by God that was going to come upon Israel in a world that they lived. And of course, you know what? That wall that they lived was a wall of injustice. A lot of injustice. You can't even talk about injustice today. I mean, it's a big, big, big issue that we are faced with in the world that we live today. They had that problem of injustice in their own world. And now, let, 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 let me try to make you understand that the injustice that was in their world was not even outside of Israel. It was something that was practiced even within Israel and to even their neighbors. And so, one might think that there is not injustice within the Christian community. No, there's a lot of injustice that is going on within the Christian community. And so, Yahweh was fully aware of that. And Yahweh gave this prophetic message to Isaiah, to the children of Israel at that time. And so, it was a proclamation of judgment. But this is one thing that you need to understand with the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is a book that has a theme of salvation that runs all through the book. But from the first chapters, verses, I mean chapters 1 to 39, Isaiah made a proclamation of judgment upon the children of Israel because they turned their back at Yahweh. Why would the theme of Isaiah be the theme of salvation, and yet you talk about judgment. It is very, very important because the presence of judgment indicates its necessity for salvation to occur. You can't talk about salvation when there is no need for it. And so the intention of God through the message that was given to prophet Isaiah to Israel was so that Israel would be chastised as his own covenant children and turn to God instead of turning to the wall that is covered with darkness. But that was covered with darkness. And so this morning, I want you to know that Christians are a shining light in a wall that is covered with darkness. We are a shining light Isaiah, you know, chapter 60, made this pronouncement of the light. It was just like what happened in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And then the earth was empty and void and darkness covered the, earth, the whole earth. And then God made a, a proclamation. It's just like hearing something that will come, boom. Let the earth be light. And there was light. And then God separates the light, darkness, and night. It was that kind of pronouncement that Isaiah came with to the children of Israel. This is what God is going to do. You've turned your back to God. God has a plan. I've chosen you for a reason. And this is what I am going to do in your midst. A light is going to break forth in darkness. And that reminds me. 
I, I come from a place that recently there are incessant killings that are going on by Islamic militias. Killing people within the Christian community and destroying their properties and pushing all their cattle to destroy their farmlands just because of evil. In this kind of a world or in this kind of a context, you know, Isaiah said to Christians, I am calling you to arise and to shine. And I'm calling you this morning as you are seated here that you need to arise and to shine. And there are reasons for that. Why? Because in the first verse it tells us, for your light has come and that the glory of the Lord is shining upon you. Now as Christians, I think we need to understand what that means when you talk about for your light has come. I'm not talking about the kind of light that you see in this world that we live, just an ordinary bulb or, you know, just the sun. That's not the type of light that I'm talking about here. The light that I'm talking about is a kind of a light that shines in the midst of chaos. Now Isaiah, you know, talks about this idea of the glory of God. And I, it's just so beautiful when you talk about the glory of God. And we live, by the way, created, by the way, for the glory of God. And this is the way Isaiah puts it, the way he, he tries to paint it. He paints the glory of God to represent the majestic, radiant presence of God that comes upon his people. That you are a Christian, that the presence of God indwells you as a Christian. And the expectation is that the glory of God that has come upon you is supposed to be radiating in the world that you live. That's the type of light that I'm talking about here. That's the type of light that Isaiah is talking about here. In the world that we find ourselves Think about it as an example. You think about Moses, you know, when Moses went to Mount Sinai, called by God to receive the tablets of the Ten Commandments. What happened in Mount Sinai? Because Moses met with God. He was enveloped by the glory of God. And when Moses returned to his people, you know what happened? They saw a radiance of that majestic glorious appearance of God that enveloped Moses radiating that they couldn't even see his face. They were afraid to look at him. Aaron and Israel were afraid to look at Moses. So imagine you being a Christian and having a relationship with God. And that's why it's really important when we meet with the Lord, and I'm talking about intimate relationship with the Lord, we definitely will have to absorb and reflect the beauty of His holiness as a believer. You definitely 
would do that in a public place. Like Moses appeared in a public place. Now Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 15, he says, no one lights a lamb and puts it under a basket. That's not the essence of it. When you light a lamb in the midst of darkness, you put it on the lampstand so that it brightens the house. That's the idea of it. No one is made a Christian by God to hide himself in a corner. Everyone is made a Christian by God to be on a lampstand, to shine for the light in our offices, in our neighborhoods, in our houses, everywhere we go. That is the essence. That is the essence. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. In order to support this, makes it clear. It says, the people walking in darkness, they have seen a great light. A light that has dawned. And those living in the land of darkness, of course, they've experienced that. And we all know chapter 9 of Isaiah. Very important chapter, right? Where Isaiah made a proclamation of the coming of the Prince of Peace. That upon his shoulder <laughs> shall be a lot. Powers, authority, and the salvation of his people. And then Isaiah went further to talk about that in chapters 52 and 53. And presented or painted the picture of this prince of peace. The one who will come to take over the authority as a suffering servant. Who would die in the wall that is covered with darkness. And so... John 1.5 tells us that the light shines in darkness and darkness cannot overcome the light. So imagine that with you. Ephesians is clear about it. That at some points we were dead in our trespasses. Yes, we were living but dead people. And so you can consider us as a living dead people. In us is darkness. Covering us. Total darkness. But in Christ, we have become the light. And that's what Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 to 9 tells us. In Christ, Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, Jesus made that proclamation on, uh, in his sermon on the mount. That we are a light to the wall. We are a light to the wall. And I love that. To begin with, in Acts chapter 26, verses 16 to 18, there is this imperative, like a command that we have seen in verse 1 of chapter 60. Arise, shine. Now, this imperative is that, but get up. Now, I know that we are in a war that is full of uncertainties. People are kind of scared of what, what the world holds, what tomorrow holds. Now, but hear this word. It says, get up and stand on your feet. <laughs> for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant. That as you are a Christian, Jesus has appointed you to be a servant. And a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. 
I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Isaiah in verse 2 of chapter 60 is saying that you are specifically a light in darkness. Now, take note of that, that you as a Christian are a light in darkness. Just to betray Acts chapter 26. Now, it continues, it said that, I mean, there are different ways that people understand darkness today. Some seem to be excited about it. I don't know how many of you are excited about darkness, but I'm going to explain the kind of darkness that Isaiah is referring to in this place. But I know that I have children in my house that are not excited about darkness, just the ordinary darkness. Now, whenever you ask them to go in and sleep in the night, and then you switched off the light, I tell you, you hear a lot of screaming because of the fear of darkness. Now, even if they are asleep and you switched off the light, and eventually any of them wakes up, I mean, you hear them rushing to come out, seeking for light. So the darkness of Isaiah is not an exciting darkness. It's not an exciting darkness to godly people. That's not the kind of darkness that Isaiah is, is painting in this place. It can only be exciting to the wicked. That's, that's the kind of darkness that this prophecy is talking about. It is what is, can be considered as the valley of the shadow of death. That's the type of darkness that is painted in this place. It is a place that you can consider a place of pain, a place of oppression. It is a place that you can consider a place of corruption, a place of injustice. It is a place that you can consider as a place of racism, a place of bigotry, and a place of xenophobia. These are some of the places of evil on an increase that is going on. That's the type of darkness that Isaiah is pointing out in this book. Of course, darkness can be perceived also here as hell, right? <laughs> you can make reference to a lot of verses in the scripture. Matthew 8, 12. You can go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. And you can go to Jude, verse 13. And then you see the idea of darkness painted as hell. And so the kind of darkness that Isaiah is talking about is not an exciting darkness. So the world is desperate in this place that we live. The world is desperately in need of a savior. Desperately in need of a savior. Nobody is happy with what is going on in the world. Only the evil people can celebrate what is going on in the world. I tell you, even the evil people don't have rest. They don't have rest. And so the world is desperately in need of a savior. And so God 
calls on you. He calls on you to be a light in a world that is covered with darkness. He calls on you to create a culture that is Christocentric. He calls on you to begin to live a lifestyle that is godly, a life that shines the light, a life that begins to question other people's way of life. God is calling upon you. And this is the time when everyone seems to be hopeless. This is the time in the world that we live. God wants to use you. He wants to use me to be a hero in a story of world redemption. He wants to use you and I to do that. But I mean, even though the world did not see you, God sees you. And that's why you need to arise and shine for the glory of God has risen upon you. And even shine in darkness. Ephesians chapter 5 makes us to understand, especially verses 8 to 9, that because Yahweh met you a light in the Lord, he said, walk in darkness as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness. It consists of all righteousness. It consists of truth. And just take note of the phrase, the fruit of the light consists of all goodness. You can talk about goodness in different ways here. But, I mean, I want us to look at the example of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' manifesto, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus quoted from Isaiah chapter 61, that was at the beginning of his earthly ministry when Jesus got into the synagogue and he was handed over the scroll of our prophet Isaiah. He went straight to chapter 61 and read there and presented to the Jews his manifesto. And Jesus said to them that the world that we live, they are the poor. They need to hear about the good news. In the world that we live, we need to proclaim release of the captives. In the world that we live, we need to talk about the recovery of the blind. In the world that we live, we need to set the captives and the oppressed free. In the world that we live, we need to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And that's our responsibility, all of us, because that's a clear example that is given to us. And I want to challenge you today as a Christian that God wants you to be a light. God wants you to advocate for those who don't have a voice in a world that is covered with darkness because Jesus spoke for women when the culture was against women, when a woman was accused of adultery in a kind of a culture, Jesus advocated for her. Jesus advocated for children when his disciples saw them as nuisance. And they said, hey, get out. You're going to make noise here. And then Jesus said, allow little children to come to me for the kingdom of God is for such as this. Jesus advocated for the indigent people 
when the society has made them outcast, socially outcast, Jesus spoke on their behalf and he entered their wall and set them free from their type of wall and reunited them with the people because they are also created in the image and the likeness of God because they are created to give glory to God because the glory of God does not have a choice. God made it so that the good, the bad, and the ugly will be a part of his kingdom even while here on earth. You know, one thing about God is that it doesn't matter how you look, <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. He will take you from where you come from, clean you up, reform and transform you, and make you a recipient of the glory, just like the moon receives the light of the sun and reflects the glory of the sun. That is the kind of God that we serve. And then Isaiah makes it explicit in verse 3 where he, he, he clearly shows this picture of, you know, uh, uh, Christians being a light that are, is attractive. Because he, he mentions that Israel, he says in verse 3, nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. Now you can talk about a reflection and an attraction of that reflection. And that's what I've seen in this place. And so that's a challenge to all of us. That as we live in a, in a world, we need to arise and shine and reflect that light. That light is attractive. That light is attractive. But in the war of Isaiah, when he prophesied to the children of Israel, you know what Isaiah did? Because Yahweh's intention is for Israel to be a light to the nations and their kings. And so Yahweh made it in such a way that even when Israel were unfaithful, though covenant children of God, he allowed the enemy to take them to captivity. In captivity, when they remember God and turn to God, they, God will use them as a light. To a nation that is in total darkness. And so Isaiah was talking about that. This is what is going to happen. You have to be a light. In a gentle nation. Now it means that the light that will come upon Israel is not just an ordinary light. Not at all. Isaiah 42 verse 6 says, I will give you, that's Yahweh speaking, I will give you a light to the nations. So imagine yourself as a Christian. I will give you a light to the nations, and I will explain about the nations. And then he, he went further to say, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation might be known and experienced in other nations that do not know me. That's what he said. And if you're thinking that is just an Old Testament, I mean, that was reiterated in the New Testament because in Acts chapter 13, it was mentioned there, quoted from Isaiah 49, verse 6. I would make you a lie to the nations. Isaiah 60, chapters 
6 and 7, if we go to that place, you'll see it clearly that the nations that is talked about is painted by Isaiah in that place, in the prophecy. These are the nations that will come to Israel with their gifts, the best of the things that God has blessed them with. They will come to Israel. Now, this is the depiction of the prophecy that God has made. He, God is talking about a time of restoration. There is going to be a restoration of what you have failed to represent, what you have failed to do. I have chosen you so that you would worship me, but you have failed to worship me. This is what I'm going to do. Yes, there is going to be a salvation. Yes, you need to arise and shine. And you need to worship me. And that's the essence of it there. A lot of the things that are mentioned in that place, if you look at it, are things that were used in the worship of God. Some of them were used as sacrifices. And some of them are used for the praise of God. And so, Yahweh must be worshipped. Yahweh must be praised. Yahweh must be adored. We need to sacrifice ourselves, like Paul would say, as a living sacrifice unto Yahweh. Yahweh, of course, was pleased with that when he mentioned, he said, I would glorify my beautiful house. When there is that restoration, I would glorify my beautiful house. So not here that we are in a world, a light in a wall. We are a city on a hill. We are to reflect the majestic, radiant glory of our God. The one who has sent Jesus to be a light to the wall. That's who we are. We are in that type of the wall and that's why Jesus himself spoke about this. He speaks in Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 when he declares in that text that let your light so shine to nations. Now let me explain. To tribes and every peoples and every nation that is out there. Because the kingdom of God is going to be a representation of every tribe, every people, every nation. And so, God wants us to be a light to the nations in order that we will be partakers of the redemptive work of God in the world and restore nations back to God. That together in his presence, we will enjoy his glorious presence from everlasting to everlasting. That's what God has planned for you and I. And that was why Jesus ran the marathon of rays with nails in his hands and with crown of thorn on his head and a spear on his side. That was the highest level of the expression of love that you and I have experienced. Prophet Isaiah made it very, very clear when he said that he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our iniquities. 
He took upon himself the punishment that you and I deserve. He who knew no sin became sin for us in order that you and I will become the righteousness of God. And not just the righteousness of God, but a light in a nation that will shine forth the glorious, redemptive, radiant light that attracts nations of the world to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, by his wounds will and I have been made whole. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness but will be the light of life. Do you want to escape darkness? The kind of darkness that Isaiah is talking about? We are, we are having a test of it. <laughs> Do you want to escape that? Do you want to walk in the light? Because it's possible that someone might be seated here that is not walking in the light. Do you want to have the light of life? Eternal life. That light that exists even in darkness. Jesus made a call this morning. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And that's my prayer for you. That if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are seated here. You definitely want to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he is the light of the world. And you will be the light. I mean, he is the light. And he will send us to be the light of the world. And I pray that the Lord will bless you this morning. And make you his light. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for choosing a people like us. People that don't look good. People that look ugly. Bad. Wretched. A people that don't even have sense. People that look crazy. You chose us for your glorious work. Who are we that you are so mindful of us? That you so much care for us? That you made us a little lower than the angels? Who are we? Oh God in heaven, if not because of your son Jesus Christ and what he has done at the cross of Calvary, who are we? Is there anyone seated here, Lord? Who is missing it? I pray, oh God, that his heart is going to be convicted of sin and you bring him to your repentance. That Lord in heaven, your spirit will regenerate him and transform his life and her life. That together we will be a light to the nations. I pray that as we step out of this place, oh blessed Redeemer, make us a light to the nations. Make us a light to the nations. Make us a light to the dark world. Make us a light that is attractive, a light that is transformative, a light that is a change agent. Make us a voice for the voiceless. 
In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, blessed Father. In Jesus' glorious name, I have prayed. Amen.